0: You try your damnedest, but something always goes wrong. That's life. If you're smart, you plan for it. Glenn Cook Welcome to this week's episode of Warfare, Advancement, and Revisionism. My name is Preston Floyd, and as always, I'm your host. I'd like to thank you all for joining me this week. I appreciate it. Uh, And if you're a new viewer, welcome. I hope you enjoy and will like to go back and listen to the catalog of episodes, So, uh, please rate, subscribe, all that kind of stuff, wherever you are listening. Um, You may have noticed that the YouTube episode was delayed last week. Uh, There was this weird technical issue uh, that was kind of preventing me from adding the recording audio to my video editor. Um, Thankfully, RSS still has the automatic YouTube upload feature, uh, but I know that sometimes the subtitles for that do not always work correctly i think i got it so they showed up eventually on that video um hopefully though uh, i hope to have uh the youtube episode up as normal along with the other one but uh, worst case i might have to keep um publishing it directly from rss for a little while but we'll see we'll see how it turns out um now uh let's go ahead and move on to this week's episode uh now we will be talking about human development in northern south america between 8000 and 6000 bc however before we get to that i did have some listener feedback i would like to go over because some of it was very interesting and informative um so big thank you to our listener tomas a great name uh he linked me a couple of articles talking about specific sites in southern chile at our time frame for this season and I was under the impression that oops, excuse me I was under the impression that um, <clears throat> that the humans living that far south were so low in number that they hadn't really left much of an archaeological trace uh, turns out that was not exactly the case uh, and this was awesome to learn um, now these sites are spread across a few regions one of which is Patagonia and I was already planning to go over that region um, in, a, in a couple of episodes. Uh, so this will give me more to talk about um, when we get there um, you know, later this season. And it may even be enough for another episode, or at least make one episode longer. We'll see. Um, the other sites are just to the west of Patagonia and the southern um, i guess the southern islands on the pacific coast of modern chile or near to them um one of these sites is monteverde which uh, i think i mentioned this site last season as an example of very old sites that help disprove the clovis first theory i know i mentioned topper in south carolina but um i i no, I didn't mention where this site was located exactly. I think I just mentioned Monteverde and Chile. Uh, now, Monteverde is found in the modern Chilean province of uh, Yanqui, Yanqui Hue, Excuse me, Yonquiwe. If you look at a map of Chile, you will see that this province covers like the last stretch of land before you begin to run into those groups of islands off Chile's west coast. Now I think this site was abandoned around twelve thousand BC or at least saw much less use after that time uh, to the point where it's yeah it there was no like large scale activity at any given period uh, And of course, this leads uh more credence to the idea again that humans advanced down the Pacific coast uh, first when entering into South America. These are very old sites. Uh, and there is also a very high likelihood that these are the sites uh, used by the uh, people of um, Monteverde. You know that are again that they could be underwater. There, there are other sites that, due to the rising sea levels, may not be around anymore. Now once the seas begin to rise, something happens that make the site less and less appealing, and other sites not too far become better suited to sporting humans. And I was aware of this site, but I was not aware of another site and culture uh, that some archaeologists believed to be descendants of the Monteverde people. Uh, and this culture is known as the uh, Chinchoro culture. Uh, Now, this culture dates between 7,000 and 1,000 B.C., very long-lasting, and as we'll see, fairly isolated, too, Um, and and we'll get to that uh, going forward. As all the people up to this point, they were, of course, mobile hunter-gatherers, but like many coastal people... um, they become very talented and indeed very well equipped fishers they're very inventive when it comes to inventing new tools and technologies uh for fishing and their ancestors were probably the people sailing you know down to Monteverde on fishing and gathering expeditions but once the younger dryas ends conditions are probably uh a little bit better in their core territory and that might be part of the reason why sites further south are seeing less use for a time. Now artifacts from the Chinchurro have been found across a narrow strip of coast from southern Peru to what is around I believe the modern city of Iquique. Now, of course, this territory is located in the Atacama Desert, so it makes sense that they would uh be more tightly uh, uh packed or more concentrated in a few locations rather than you know um, being spread out over a wide swath. That and the Andes kind of make it uh difficult uh to to you know uh travel very easily and get larger tracts of uh land to use. Now, um, it is in this environment that we have found a new, uh, that we see a new, uh, another innovation that these people are doing. In addition to becoming, you know, prolific fishers, uh, they also, you know, develop their own kind of, um, uh, spiritual, uh, practices. Uh, and this is something that's different from, uh, other places that we've talked about, um we have mentioned that you know cultures uh other neolithic cultures in asia uh you know burying their ancestors under their homes we have some sites in uh, china where there are you know essentially graveyards uh not far from the you know the locations that these um that these people were inhabiting Uh, but this culture begins to practice mummification and uh, the oldest of these mummies uh, date to around seven thousand b c now at this early date, this is natural mummification uh so they're just you know they're essentially leaving them and letting you know nature uh, affect the bodies to to dry them out and preserve them um but eventually in the future this changes and they begin to treat and prepare the remains in different ways to you know kind of uh enhance the uh, the preservation process and they they do all they do a couple of different ways develop um or you know uh prepare their mummies. They, they do change these processes over time. Uh, but that doesn't happen until around I think after 5000 that these changes really come about or at least they show up in the, the record for the remains we found. But I, I will be covering all of this in more depth in the future as well as this culture when we return here for next season. For that for now though let's turn to the north. Uh, another piece of feedback I had is in relation to uh, Lake Titicaca. I said it was the largest lake in South America. Uh, someone had asked me about um, Lake uh, Maracaibo. Uh, despite its name, Lake Maracaibo is not a lake, it is a lagoon. It is directly uh, feeding into uh, the ocean. Um, it's more, yeah, it, it's technically a lagoon. It's just called. Uh, uh, Maraca- it's called Lake Maracaibo because I think uh, the Spanish is Lago de Maracaibo. But um, yeah, it, it, it is not technically a, a lake. Um, mm. So, uh, and that does bring us to the northern Andes and kind of the tip of um, northern South America. Um, now, I mentioned last week um, about you know how South America was populated. Of course, um, there is uh, still questions about that. But it is probable that groups that came down the Pacific coast had, some had, of course, moved more inland and followed that route. However, by the period that this season starts, there are probably people coming down the Atlantic uh, pathway, um, either via boat or just, you know making that Argos crossing across the uh, the D- darien gap um and they're probably meeting the uh ancestors of the peoples who first moved into uh northern south america so there's probably uh, again what you would expect from new arrivals to an area a mix of you know trade uh exchange uh fighting um intermarriage all that kind of stuff um everything you would expect from two cultures who had never met each other uh, and then slowly learning about one another. Uh, and this probably led to some level of fusion or synthesis or something uh, from these groups. Um, but first, let's, uh, let's go back to kind of the Pacific side of the north of the continent. Uh, there is some places in Ecuador uh, or some people, I should say, I would like to talk about first. And then we'll work our way uh to the uh to the east uh so um there are uh places in uh ecuador that have uh sites dated to uh this season and the probably the biggest one is for um the Lo- las vegas <laughs> the culture uh, and yes i understand how humorous that would be here uh, for americans um, but despite the name, uh, it's not quite as uh, happy-go-lucky as the American Las Vegas. Um, these people are um, on the Las Vegas River. Uh, they're initially they were up in the kind of the foothills, uh, and at the time that we're talking about, at least at the start of our season, um, they're not quite as coastal. Uh, as they would be today. Uh, I think around 7,000 BC, of course, the um, sea levels are closer to what they are today, but when the site was first founded, um, they were around, I think, like 90 feet uh, above sea level, and uh, now they're, they're a little bit closer. Um, but you find all the hallmarks of early Neolithic cultures. You see um, you know, more sedentism, uh, and, of course, uh, they're developing more and more uh, specialized tools and microlifts and uh, blades. This, of course, makes sense as they are moving away from hunting uh, larger game. They are going for a very wide variety of animals that they are hunting and uh, killing for uh, food and um, you know, other uh, materials. Um, I think they found uh, boa bones, boa constrictors, uh, like foxes, uh, just all kinds of um, uh, different animals. So they're they're a very varied diet, I should guess would be the best way to, to place it. Um, and again, they're home uh, like a lot of these earlier uh, sed- um, sedentary sites. Uh, they're on a nectone, They're near. Marines, uh, marine food, even if, you know, again, they weren't quite as close as they are today or as they would have been today, uh, they're still close enough that they can go to the sea, they can fish, they can get, uh, that kind of thing, they can go up to the, the hills and the mountains, get stones, um, you know, hunt animals there, birds, that kind of thing, um, so again, they're, they're on this ectone, so they have a number of different, um, of locales to get resources from. Um, and they probably uh, had boats at this point, but we haven't found them at this late period, but they, they do develop them, uh, definitely. We have found them at the kind of a later period. They are also in the process of developing that kind of proto-agriculture uh, they have, uh, those, uh, wild, uh, calabashes, cow cowbashes, uh, you know, bottle gourds that we have talked about, and of course, uh, you know, the native varieties of those, uh, things like squash or, you know, the Ecuadorian equivalent of squash, at least. Um, now I believe that those dates to around 7,000 BC, so they, they're not quite in, um, Full agricultural mode, yes, just yet. But I think probably by the end of this season, that they've got it down. They understand what they're they're doing a lot better, and they're probably probably beginning to practice like you know full scale real agriculture. Um, now this is a fairly long lasting culture. Uh, They go for around uh, eight thousand to about a little after or a little before um 4,500 I think uh, give or take a century or two um, so yeah so very long lasting culture again we see this this slow transition. Um, and uh, where they're living is also um, fairly dry they don't get a lot of rain so they're not doing um, they're not um, getting like you know a large number of um, more, Um, I guess water intensive crops. They will eventually get corn or maize, but I don't know, I don't think that happens for a while. And I believe once they do get it, they have to focus more on using the river for irrigation as opposed to, um, you know, waiting for rain to come. Uh, This area, and I didn't mention it in, you know, for the other parts of uh, the Andes, but uh, on this side of the Andes Mountains, you know, you're very, very much at the mercy of weather weather patterns like El Nino and things like that. Um, it, it it very much affects uh, these people a lot, and that and this is something true today. It's something true all through human history in the area. Um, these uh, these uh, weather patterns, like long lasting ones, they will be. Uh, they will be very important in, you know, the rise and fall of states in these areas uh, when we get them. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of what we have in Ecuador. Uh, it's a very small site or a very small region. It, it's They have a number of sites, um, but they're all kind of very tightly compacted, not even as much they're much more tightly compacted even than the uh, um, than the uh, other cultures we talked about, um, but they, they do have a good number of sites. Uh, in fact, they they also have their own burial practices. They have two locations uh, where it appears that they were using to bury people. They were they would only be buried in one of those two sites, uh, and so it appears that um, you know they and it, it's not near. Other sites, it's kind of you'd have to make a journey, you'd have to, uh, you know, progress with your dead there to bury them uh, appropriately, at least. Uh, In terms of population, um, I think, um, you know, their their largest site, I think they found around 200 uh, burial locations uh, there. So you know, not a huge, uh, culture by any means, but, you know, again, that's just what we found, um, so I would say, you know, they probably had around a thousand people, give or take, at probably their height, a couple of thousand at their height, just in this general vicinity, which, you know, that's not bad, uh, especially with how dry it is, uh, there, uh, with, you know, with the cactus and the um, shrubs um you know they're, they're doing pretty well from them themselves despite how harsh the environment could be sometimes uh, and of course agriculture is going to play a huge part in their success um, but we'll return to them next season because they do hang around again for a little while Uh, and, uh, we'll talk about some of their neighboring cultures, uh, next time. Well, in fact, there is one I should go ahead and mention, uh, right now. Uh, and that is the Real Alto culture. Um, now, they are not around much in this season, uh, but they do show up at the very end, right around 6,000 BC. Uh, they appear to occupy, um, A valley um, between the modern cities of Guayaquil and Salinas. Um, And uh, again, earliest settlements start there. So it's very possible that they could have been breakaways from the Las Vegas culture. The Las Vegas culture, of course, you know, with more food, um, you know, population may have grown, and then there may have been a part of that population. Uh, that is ever-increasing, it's like, well, maybe we should try to find, you know, somewhere better to live. Whereas, you know, the people who remain, uh, you know, they're you know, probably tied to their, their history and their, um, their land there. Uh, who can say? Uh, but uh, eventually, uh, both of these cultures will disappear and be replaced by another. And again, that's something we'll talk a lot more about um, uh, next season. Now, uh, moving kind of to the north-ish east, I guess uh, you have uh, what is now uh, modern-day um, Colombia. Um, now, uh, Colombia, I think the oldest confirmed sites are debated um, in terms of you know how how long people have been living in the region, you know, on a permanent level. Um, I think the oldest thing, I think that is, or the, the, there are a couple of different dates I see cited, uh, regularly, uh, and again, they're both debated, um, I think the earliest one was around uh, somewhere between, like, um, 14,000 BC, uh, and then, uh, there are some that are 12,500. Now again, some of these dates uh, due to the environment are debated. They're like, well, it, anyway, it's, it's not too, too important. Um, now, unlike uh, Ecuador and Peru, uh, there isn't really one kind of site that is home to a culture. Um, there appear to be like a number of um, different sites all belonging to, you know, these, to these groups. And they all have their own kind of, um, own, like, styles. But, you know, they're, they're sim they essentially just associated with the areas that they're living in. They don't appear to be too interconnected with one another. Not to say that there is no connection, um, but they don't appear to have, you know, any kind of overarching, there's nothing that connects them, uh, with each other, you know they're all they all make tools their own way they all have these small little differences in you know what they're doing day to day um just based on again where they're located um but there are probably around 10 to 14 of these you know kind of regional groups um and some of them of course don't show up until a little bit later uh i think um in terms of our season, um, the biggest ones are probably, uh, uh, Tibito, uh, El Arba, uh, no, it's not, sorry, not El Arba, it's, um, uh, oh, no, that's, that's a different thing. I think it's, um, La Tolita is the other, uh, is the other kind of location. Um, yeah, Tobitio, yeah, Tobitio, um San Augustine uh is another wesca is another um so there are a number of different um locations where you can um where there has been evidence found some of these are on kind of like the um along rivers some are up in the mountains uh, Tobatillo I think can only be accessed f- you know if you're you know doing like hiking hiking and climbing uh it was it was not an easy place to get to and that might be part of the reason it was chosen um now these peoples as far as i'm aware none of them are practicing agriculture at any point during our um season so they're still again these hunter gatherers but uh they are of course uh beginning to diversify um they're um their hunting choices. Again, due to the disappearance of uh larger mammals. But yeah, uh, there are again, there are a ton of sites in Colombia, um but there's not been any, you know, kind of um not been any push, I think, for even the Colombian uh scientists to say that, yeah, these are all interconnected people. These are one group. It's just, again, you, you're just focused on these very small uh, areas. Then, you know, people were essentially keeping to themselves for the most part. Um, but they do have uh, interesting art. Um, they're not doing just cave paintings. Uh, they are also, I think, uh, doing petroglyphs. You know, they're, they're like... Um, Chiseling into stone. Now, I don't know if these are being made at this period of time, but it is possible that they are. It could be older. It could be younger. But I believe that some of these are happening, you know, in this season. Um, I'll in fact when I when I post um the links on Twitter or X or whatever this week, I will include one of the petroglyphs at uh, El Abra uh which is uh, again one of those um one of those uh, numerous sites that one's up in the mountains it's um it's near i think it's uh, lake uh lake Fuquine, i believe is the name of the the lake and all of these people are using you know your standard bone and stone tools nothing nothing too out of the ordinary there um <coughs> excuse me Um, but again all these places while they might be fairly isolated from one another they all have in common that they're on ectones even if they're living closer to rivers or uh, near the coast they are still within range of um, you know mountains or if they're in the mountains they're still in range of lakes or rivers and things like that Uh, so again we see the importance of ectones in terms of um Human settlement and population. Now, uh, let us continue on to the east. We have um, uh, what is now modern day Venezuela. Now, again, earliest occupation of this is debated. Uh, the earliest date I've seen is like 15,000, the latest is I think like 12,000. Um, I probably would be say closer to the later date much like I would for the Colombian sites just because again just even if you're debating you know the finds, how old they are I I don't think it would um, it wouldn't surprise me that again the oldest things we have found whether they're dated you know to 12,000 or 15,000 doesn't mean that you know they are the actual oldest examples of something that ever existed of course or you know That's just what we found so far. So, I do think the earlier date's probably a little bit uh, more likely. Um, Now, uh, Venezuela is much like uh, Colombia in that uh, they don't have like a single um, overarching culture. Uh, They appear to have, you know, again, smaller spread out sites, you know, probably, again, uh, family groups just up and down um, the region. I think most of the. most of the sites though at the at the period that we're talking about uh you can find along i think it's the pedregal Re- river uh which is in northern venezuela uh, it feeds into uh, the caribbean uh, sea uh, part of the atlantic um so and also i think again lake Maracaibo, which was mentioned uh there are probably a number of groups all up and down that region as well um and of course you have Lake Orinoco. Uh, I think the mouth of that, where that enters into um, enters in the Atlantic Ocean, uh, you would have a number of groups there. And you see this later. Uh, we'll talk about it, but um, Venezuela is home to a few different um, indigenous groups all along the coast at Um, different uh, kind of sections they all kind of had their own thing i think the um the ancestors of the ancient caribbeans uh that uh columbus met when he first crossed the atlantic uh they their ancestors were probably from uh, again what is now modern day venezuela so you you this is actually somewhere that you can probably get a fairly large population. Uh, in fact, there is a theory that um, the humans occupying here still had access to some of the megafauna, even at this maybe even as late as our as our uh, time frame, uh, or if not as late as eight thousand BC, then you know uh, maybe as recently as ten thousand. They they could have made it through um, that. Uh, that extinction post uh younger dryas uh with the environment changing um things like um uh megatherium uh toxodons, um uh what's the little it's like a weird almost um armadillo with how it's armored uh glip uh gliptodont or something like that i think so yeah, they, these could have lived in the deeper parts of Venezuela, even you know, even into um, I think our time frame. And, and there is a little bit of a delay uh, comparatively to the other groups. Um, the people living here uh, do not begin to kind of get the more specialized tool set of the Neolithic tools, bladelets, until a little bit later um, than the. Um, than the other people we've talked about, I think it's probably because they had they didn't need to adapt just yet. They were they were living just fine, um, but yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's um, that's kind of the, the big thing with the, um, the Venezuelan people. Now, in terms of sites, I think the the main one that's always mentioned is uh, Taima. Uh, they have some petroglyphs there as well. Um, I don't know. I don't think there's any... There, I haven't read any theories, uh, you know, tying in the peoples in Venezuela with Colombia. Um, I think they just both did petroglyphs. It's not that unusual. They're, you know, that's something that a lot of people have done. And the art style for those are a lot different. Um, although, again, I don't know that the petroglyphs date quite this far back. Um, Now, they did have one thing in common, I think, most of the people in Venezuela, and that was their projectile points. Uh, They used what are called um, El Jobo, I think. Um, And this is something that is very popular, I think. It eventually spreads out, actually, from Venezuela, um so they were again and these these were something that you would use to hunt larger animals this is not something you use to kill like a bird or a, a rabbit or you know something smaller like it, they're meant to be uh for larger game um and they these uh these points last a while uh they're they're used by preceding cultures. Like, they're other things are changing, but these these points are staying the same. Um, but uh, I do believe that they are they do eventually go away towards the end of this season, when again the Venezuelans uh, are the you know the indigenous uh, ancestors are, um, of modern Venezuelans are you know. As they're having to adjust finally to losing their megafauna, then you begin to see uh, the Jovo points begin to die out, and their their toolkits begin to um, evolve or uh, develop in a, a different direction, if nothing else. Um, now I couldn't find much about people. Like I, I don't think we found any remains of humans up to this like from this point in time in venezuela i think we've just found tools and uh like kill sites and things like that um i i can't i could not find any uh cases where um you know they found human remains from this period uh you know and been able to study them but if anyone has any links like tomas did please feel free to drop them uh my way um but yeah um so uh and Venezuela, I believe becomes fairly highly populated despite um, despite some uh, troubles uh, with um, or s- some of the, some of the more dangerous uh, aspects of its environment. Uh, I think there's a lot of um, um, jungles where there's um, a lot of dangers, and also uh, earthquakes. Earthquakes are a big problem in the area, and I'm sure that that was a f- you know affecting um, uh, the ancient peoples living there too, um, but Venezuela will become much more important again when we talk about the colonization of um, the Caribbean, uh, and they will also become uh, fairly important in terms of agricultural sites. That when they get agriculture, they have an environment very well suited to it, um, even if it's not something that uh, you know is you know, uh, super widespread, but we'll, we'll get back to that, uh, another time. Um, sorry, I'm just going through my notes here. I think this is probably a good place to stop it now. Um, next week we'll talk about, uh, some of the other, um, places kind of in the north of, uh, South America and we'll begin to move into what is now Brazil, uh, and that will probably be another episode, and then uh, we'll talk about Argentina and the Patagonia episode I was telling you guys about. So, um, yeah, uh, I think that's kind of everything. I'm sorry I didn't have more information about the Venezuelan or uh, Colombian sites, um, other than you know, essentially there's a you know there's a decent number of them, but it's just they are you know they're living what you would expect a hunter gatherer lifestyle to be. Um, they don't have too much in the case of, um, of like a material wealth they can go into because again, it's not something that they're necessarily concerned about. Uh, and with megafauna possibly still around, um, they don't have to be, uh, they, they can, they can continue living this old school lifestyle. Um, But if you have any questions or feedback, uh, constructive criticism, I am always happy to hear it, um, feel free to reach out to me at waradrevpod at gmail.com, uh, you can also direct message me via Twitter or X, and, uh, yeah, you can also comment on my YouTube videos, I, uh, I do read them, even if I can't get to them immediately, but yeah, I really appreciate you all joining me this week, um. Decent November. I'm uh, I'm am go- glad uh, we had a little bit of a come down from October, but that's not a surprise. Uh, the way things have worked, usually the the most listened to month is never followed by another most listened to month, at least for me. But um, still pretty pretty happy with the numbers here in November. So uh, thank you all again for all that. I really appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, we will see you all next time next week. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you all. Goodbye.